Alright everyone, welcome to the second episode of the All Things Strength and Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Robbie Burke, and on this second episode, I interviewed Sean Croxon of Underground Wellness. On this episode, me and Sean discussed everything about nutrition, health, and wellness, and it was a fantastic interview, so I hope you enjoyed. Sean, it's, it's great to have you on my show, my man. It's, it's an absolute honor, and I'm, I'm delighted that you're here. Thank you so much for having me, Robbie. I appreciate it. Uh, how are things in San Diego? What's the weather like over there? Oh, the weather's nice. We got sunny skies. You know, I can. I just got back from the gym not too long ago, so I'm wearing shorts and just a little light sweater. It's not bad out here at all. You lucky bastard, because it's freezing here in Dublin. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, man. <laughs> San Diego's a beautiful place, man. We we actually had rain yesterday, but that cleared out pretty fast, and we're good to go. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something. Uh, you can take as much rain out of this country as you want. We're sick of looking at it. Uh, Sean, just just for just for the the listeners um, who who aren't familiar with who you are, just give us a brief uh, introduction. Oh, I'm, I'm Sean Croxon from Underground Wellness. I'm just a big nerd. Uh, I like to lay around the house and read books, and then I like to figure out how the heck I can teach this to people and get kind of creative, so I make a YouTube video out of it, and uh, people tend to like them, and uh, so I do that. You know, I blog a little bit. I, um, I have a TV show on HealthyPowerTV.com where I've interviewed experts in the field. I have a radio show on Blog Talk Radio as well as iTunes, and I, I've interviewed over a hundred-something people about how fitness nutrition all the goodies and uh yeah and i've taken all that information and wrote a book out of it uh, and released that very recently it's called the dark side of fat loss and it's doing really really well and that's it man just just a nerd just straight up nerd and it's a fantastic book i recently just got it would you just mind telling the listeners where they might be able to pick up that book sean you can get it at darksideoffatloss.com. Again, that's darksideoffatloss.com. If you, you're interested in, in not purchasing it quite yet and kind of want to get a taste of it, you can go to darksidepreview.com, darksidepreview.com, and you can uh, download the first chapter of it. Well, guys, I highly recommend it. And there's also a great cookbook. And also, Brett Clicker from uh, Fitness Quest 10 put a great fitness product along with, 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 the, with the book. Um, uh-huh. So it's, it's a fantastic product. Sean, what does the word health mean to you? When you hear the word health, what comes to mind? Living free of disease and the symptoms of disease. Can you, can you, can you elaborate what you mean by symptoms of disease? Oh, I mean, brain fog, fatigue, uh, low libido, poor digestion, toxicity, uh, just not feeling right, insomnia, all these things that people, uh, weight gain, all these things that people present to me um, quite often, they're all signs that they're not healthy, that there needs to be some improvement in their health, and, you know, typically our health is going to stand upon, you know, five or six things, um, the diet, your exercise program, or your physical activity, I should say, your hormones, your digestion, your detoxification system, as well as your immune system, when any of those things start to go wrong, then we get there, it's at the detriment of our health, our health begins to crumble, and so, you know, what my job has been over the last several years is to identify where the dysfunctions are within those symptoms, within those lifestyle factors, and to, to point them out to the person whom I'm working with and to fix them. And when you fix them, you know, health tends to be recovered for, for most people. Some of these things are medical. They've, they've gotten to that clinical um, 
um, area, so of course we need to refer them out to a naturopath or to a, a MD, but you know, again, for, for me, it's just being free of disease and the symptoms of disease, and to be like the people whom uh, West, Weston Price went to visit, you know, 70, 80 years ago in all of these um, different countries, they, they lived well, they were very happy, shiny people with beautiful teeth and nice physiques, and uh, uh, that's the way that it's supposed to be, we've strayed from that path, and now it's time to get back on it. You mentioned digestion in that answer there. Can you elaborate more on digestion? Or maybe uh, the, the P word might come up here. Poo! <laughs> I'm known worldwide for talking about poop. Yeah, we got to talk about our poop, you know, more frequently. It's just this thing that we kind of, uh, we hide very often. And it's just so important. You can tell how healthy you are just by the way you poop. You know, if you're dropping rocks every day, little rabbit pellets, <laughs> something wrong. If you're not going every day, there's something wrong. If you got diarrhea every day, there's something wrong. I can keep going on and on and on and on. You know, we worry so much about what we eat. We need to start thinking about, you know, are we digesting that food properly? You know, if you're not digesting your food properly, well then, you know, your great diet isn't really going to be as great as you want it to be. And so, you know, that's one of the first things I ask the people whom I work with. I say, let's talk about your poop. You got acid reflux, heartburn, gas, bloating, indigestion, constipation, diarrhea. You see in food in your poop. You know, do you notice that after you eat particular meals that you get real brain foggy? What is going on? You know, I, I believe, I forget who it was, maybe Hippocrates or one of those smart guys is that, um, you know, all disease begins in the, in the gut. Mm. And that, that's, that's real because the gut separates the inside or the outside of your body from the inside of your body. And, you know, you just want the good nutrients to slip through there to, to build your body. But, you know, sometimes those nutrients aren't breaking all the way down because you've got a hydrochloric acid deficiency in the stomach, we'll say. Or you've got pancreatic issues or you've got a gallbladder issues or there's some pH issues going on within the gut. And, you know, things are actually slipping inside of the gut that are into the bloodstream that aren't supposed to be there, causing a... a um, immune response an issue that can eventually lead to autoimmunity i mean it's just this domino effect that i can just keep going on and on about that about it but you know a lot of people whom i work with they've got uh, bacterial dysbiosis a lot of bad bacteria not enough good bacteria they've got yeast overgrowth which is fueling a lot of things such as brain fog and sugar cravings and things of that sort and a lot of people with parasites you know about 80 90 percent of people whom i run stool tests on have some type of parasite in their gut 80 to 90 percent that is incredible yeah these are just the people whom i work with I, mean, I can't say it on a population level but the people who come to me when we run stool tests we find something just about every time um uh, H. pylori infections in the stomach, very, very common. And so, you know, my, my approach here is that diet and exercise are only going to get you so far. And we need to start thinking laterally and not having tunnel vision all of the time because when we get stuck in, you know, what I refer to the, to the, in the book as the box, you know, that's all we know. That's all we go to. So now it's about time for us to start looking at these other aspects of health because you don't want to be the person who's trying to lose 30 pounds and always say, I can help you lose 30 pounds, but when you're 30 pounds lighter, do you still want to have insomnia? You know, do you still want to have brain fog? Do you still want to have no libido whatsoever? You know, do you still want to have all of these little symptoms going on and just feel like crap, but you're looking a whole lot better? Uh, I don't think it works that way. And so I want to help people to get healthy. You know, the, the quote that gets brought up the most when I do interviews is, you know, you don't lose fat to get healthy. You have to get healthy to lose fat. And we have a flip backwards. And so the book that I wrote should have been called The Dark Side of, uh, of Getting Healthy. But, you know, that wasn't going to sell any books, and so we called it the dark side of fat loss because that's what it is. Mm -hmm, definitely. 
and as I said, it's a fantastic resource. Um, the food pyramid, Sean. Please give me, please give me your opinion on this. Now, the reason I ask is, I have a friend, and she may listen to this. Um, she currently is in university, and she's becoming a, a, a registered dietitian. And uh, I wouldn't say we've had debates, but like I've told her all about the stuff that me and you preach, and she was very skeptical first. And I went home that night and I said, okay, I'm gonna go on Facebook and I'm gonna send you all the book links, videos, and then I sent her all the underground wellness stuff as well. I sent her like 41 book references. I sent her on loads and loads of things, and she's slowly kind of coming around. But you know, she at first she was like, but they teach us the food pyramid in, in university. Why would they teach us this stuff? Um, and I've often heard you talk about the stuff you were taught in university wasn't necessarily true. Can you just uh, first of all give your opinion on the food pyramid, and then to go on from that question? Just briefly um, give your opinion on why you think some of the information in university is basically BS. Well, the, the, the food pyramid is, uh, you know, as Paul Check says, it should be called the feedlot pyramid because that's <laughs> how you fatten up cattle. Uh, I like to call it the food lobby pyramid because, you know, there's all these different industries, you know, whether it be, you know, the, the, the subsidized farmers, um, you know, any type of industry who's trying to get on that. I mean, that's great advertising. Hey, you got to put us in the food guy pyramid. You got to command everybody to eat, you know, six to 11 servings of grains every day. That's awesome for business. And, you know, it's, it's, it's upside down. It's a great way to sell all the subsidized grains that we've got going on. It's not backed by any science. If you read Gary Taub's book, uh, Good Calories, Bad Calories, and you read the story of how the Food Guy Pyramid got put together, it'll blow your mind. It wasn't really nutritionists who put that thing together. It was like Bob Dole and Senator McGovern and people like that, you know, these, these American politicians who... who took it into their own hands to dictate the, the eating policy of this country, and a lot of it was based on, you know, fear, you know, as I call in the book, fear, false evidence appearing real, with this idea that saturated fat was causing the epidemic of heart disease, which obviously was not. Um, so it's upside down, we need to pull those grains out, maybe we'll talk about grains a little bit later, but, you know, it, it, it's, it goes against... 99.5% of human history. There was no other time in the history of the universe where we ate this many grains, where we were told to eat this many grains. Gosh, if they would have put out a food guide pyramid like this 11,000 years ago, it wouldn't have been possible because the agricultural revolution hadn't happened yet. You know what I'm saying? And so I don't understand. I always say to people, this is another one of my quotes that I throw out all the time, is I don't understand how an old school food can cause a brand new disease. You know, I, I just simply just don't get this, how the chicken skin is going to give me a disease, how beef is going to give me some new disease, how egg yolk is going to give me a new disease. You know, I have a video called, Is God Stupid? You know, did God really purposely make the food, you know, with cholesterol and with saturated fat to kill us? You know, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, why, uh, what do I think about teachers and professors uh, who teach this, they have to teach this. And then a lot of them believe in it because that's what they do. And speaking of what they do, teachers and professors don't really do much of anything like with real people. And that's when things started to change for me. And maybe that's when things will change with your friend is when she has to work with actual real people and go through what I went through where you're telling real people to eat this way and the results that you get absolutely suck. You find that people are getting heavier. All of these symptoms are starting to pop up. Things are getting worse for that person. And what, what do you be telling them to do? Eat less. 
eat less, but also run on a treadmill for two hours a day. And you know they're not going to be able to do that. It's unsustainable. And running on a treadmill for an hour or two a day is just going to make somebody hungrier anyway. So they're fighting their, their appetite all the time. And so it doesn't work. And I think that's what we really need to get in that mindset of, is that we're always being told what to do. And we don't, and I was the same way, we don't question authority enough. And we also have to really care about our people getting the results. Are we even getting the results that we should be getting from this? Are we getting the results that we were promised from this food guy pyramid? And obviously that's not the case. If you read um, Wheat Belly by Dr. William Davis, I might do a video on this this week. You know, the year 1985, I believe, was when our, our recommendations really got flipped upside down and that low-fat thing really kicked in and that high-carbohydrate thing really kicked in. And if you look at the chart or the graph that shows obesity since 1985-86, that thing is just linearly going up by the year. And now we've got, you know, 30% of the, the U.S. population at least is obese. And gosh, you start to see where things change. It's when these, this food guy pyramid got really put into place and people starting to eat upside down out of fear that they were going to get fat and get heart disease because they were eating meat before. And it's all jacked up. It's just all jacked up, man. I can talk about this for a freaking hour. Yeah, there's a saying I love too. It's... Uh don't take authority as the truth. Take truth as the authority. So I think that kind of applies to that whole answer. Yeah. Or there's, there's Timothy Leary's quote. Uh, question authority and think for yourself. Yeah. And that, that's something I live by right there. You mentioned Good Calories, Bad Calories. Great book. And, and, and Gary Todd's latest book, um, Why We Get Fat, which you can also download as an audio book. That's how actually I, I uh, read or listened to that book, which is also a great book. Um, he talks a lot about how the fat and cholesterol hypothesis was basically absolute bullshit and there's also other books out there like The Great Cholesterol Con by Malcolm Kendrick and Fat and Cholesterol Good For You by Mary Ingrid and, and, and some of Sally Fallon's books and also in Primal Body, Primal Mind which I'm reading right now Norga Goddess basically dispels the whole fat and cholesterol thing and there's many others there like Chris Masterjohn and, 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 and others too what, what, um, express your opinion too on fat and cholesterol Mm, well, it depends on what kind of fat we're talking about. Saturated fat isn't a problem at all. Uh, I don't think it ever was a problem. You know, as I said earlier, I don't get how an old school food can cause a brand new disease. Um, fat is incredibly important for building your brain, uh, for making your hormones, as is cholesterol. For making your hormones, it's, it's, it's critical. It builds the cells that are you. Now, the problem is the polyunsaturated fats. Those are the real issue. Um, the vegetable oils that we consume, corn, soybean, canola, on and on and on and on. And these are pretty much in all of the processed foods that we have or that we consume. You know, sometimes I think we, we need to consider point A to point B. How do these seeds, cotton seeds, soy, all this stuff, these different foods get processed to become vegetable oils what kind of nasty that's a crazy if you ever read about that it's this crazy nasty process that requires heat and acid acid alkaline washes and all this weird stuff and what we get is this vegetable oil that is typically rancid by the time we get it if you were buying vegetable oil off the the, 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 the the you know the supermarket aisle shelf it's rancid you know, they can't be anything but rancid and oxidized after all of it's all it's, it's been through. You know, there are three things that are make a, that are going to make oils go rancid. It's uh, heat, 
oxygen and light. And what do we do? We buy friggin' Western oil in a clear plastic container. We store it in the kitchen, one of the hottest places in the home, and we don't, you know, screw the light, the lid on all the way. And now you've got a super oxidized oil, and then we cook things in it, so we increase the heat, and we're just further oxidizing this oil. So when you consume an oxidized oil, you're going to cause oxidation in your arteries and inflammation in the arteries, and then you're going to get plaque and atherosclerosis and all of that fun stuff that you don't want to get. Saturated fat, due to its molecular structure, does not oxidize under heat and light and these things. And so since it does not oxidize, or does not oxidize so easily, then it doesn't cause the, these, this damage to your, your arteries and all of the other things like the atherosclerosis that I talked about earlier. It just doesn't, it simply does not happen. And so we just have to consider some of those things. I was at a, I spoke at a, um, just kind of a fair this weekend, we'll, we'll call it, and the girl who spoke before me, she, had, she wanted to explain to the audience how fat clogs up your arteries, and she had this bottle, this clear plastic bottle with red water in there. She said, this is your artery. And she says, you know, in fat, it goes solid at room temperature. And here's some Crisco, and this Crisco represents the fat. And let me go ahead and stuff it into the, uh, the bottle, and let me shake it up. And then she had, you can see all this fat in there floating around. And she says, this is what happens inside of your arteries. And I wanted to raise my hand and go, since when is the human body room temperature? You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't, I don't get that. You know, a piece of a piece of broccoli is room is solid at room temperature as well. Should I be afraid of that too? It's an oversimplification that we've got going on. And you know, if you look at the research, you know, Ansel Keys' research that quote unquote proved the lipid hypothesis that saturated fat increased cholesterol, which clogged the arteries. You know, he studied 22 countries, or was it 21? I can't remember. 22. Um, yeah, 22. yeah it's 22 countries, and the data was all over the place. And basically what he did is he erased, got rid of the ones that didn't fit his, his theory and his hypothesis, and he says, here it goes. I told you guys. No, it didn't work that way. You guys, are, I mean, think about the French paradox and all the fat that they consume, but they're this, they're this exception to this rule because they live in France. Like, What? What about the, the, the Messiah of Africa who have this, you know, 80% fat diet based on beef and cow's milk, whole milk and cow's blood and very little vegetables, and they're one of the healthiest societies in the world with, with very little incidence of heart disease. And what, what about them? Are they an exception to this? You know, I, I don't, I honestly don't get it. But what I do get is I keep meeting people who eat this diet that's higher in meat and higher in fat, not saying that that's the only way to eat, because I do believe that there's no one-size-fits-all diet, everything's going to be different for each people or each person, but there are these diets that are higher in fat and higher in all these things that are supposedly supposed to give us heart disease, but damn, they feel good. Why are they some healthy people? And then, you have these other people who have this American diet, this, this food diet pyramid diet, who feel terrible all the time and are always complaining about these test results that they get when they go to the doctor. You know what I'm saying? It's it's amazing to me. You have to do what works and not be in fear. I think we're we are uh, an overweight society, not just because of the rules that have been laid down to us and the marketing as well, but because we're afraid of the foods that actually keep us healthy. It's really it's it's really horrible what fear can do to people. Uh, great answer. Great answer. And just just to add to that for anyone listening, uh, you mentioned like the French paradox. Also, in in Malcolm Kendry's book. 
He also gives examples of countries with low saturated fat intake and very high heart disease, like the Australian Aborigines. He said they had the lowest saturated fat intake and had the highest heart disease rate out of everyone. So that, that just again proves that the hypothesis was 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 incorrect. And he also he also this I never heard in the book he he explained how Ansel Keys I think it was in Italy he like all these world doctors had a meeting about like the the crisis of this war, of this heart disease that was going around the world and Keys actually gave his hypothesis to this room of doctors and they laughed at him and he apparently went off in a big huff and he made it his like his like goal to, to prove that he was definitely right so that's why he kicked out all that data that didn't agree with his hypothesis yeah it's a, it's a darn shame and it is it has shaped our world in the wrong way and uh hopefully somebody out there will fix this well, we're trying we're trying but it's hard to get to get across to the masses when there's so much fear involved but the funniest thing of all is keys actually was quoted in saying in 1997 that we know cholesterol from 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 your diet and food has nothing to do with cholesterol in the blood unless you're a rabbit Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, he did say that, and um, you know that was published in a in a medical journal, I believe. Uh, I can't remember, but I guess that word didn't get out, <laughs> unfortunately. But what's really interesting, just real quick, as an aside to that, is um, the research, and it's 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 not extensive research, but it's definitely deserving of you know us taking a look at is the milk issue that I did a few videos about last mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. You know that A one and the A two milk, and that A one milk. The more A1 milk that is consumed by a particular country, the higher the rate of heart disease and also the higher the rate of type 1 diabetes. And it's pretty much straight across the board. There's no outlying countries here that you can just throw out and consider, oh, no, forget about those. They don't count. No, that's just kind of how it looks pretty linearly. And so uh, Devil in the Milk is a great book by Keith Woodford, who's going to be on my show next Thursday. And it's definitely deserving of taking a look at because that's some serious stuff right there. It could be the milk. I'm not going to say it is, but um, there's a very good chance that it is. And um, that deserves to be looked at. Yeah, that book is it's on its way to me. I ordered on Amazon the other day, so looking forward Sweet. to that. I'm looking forward to the interview too. Uh, we mentioned grains. Well, you mentioned grains, Sean. Um, again, people think grains are you know heart healthy, the staff of life. Um, you know, please give your opinion on grains and, and reasons why they're not all they're made out to be. Well, you mentioned the staff of life, the, the grains that we consume, primarily wheat. And I did a video on this last week, and I wrote a blog about it a couple months ago. The wheat that we consume, and I talk about wheat because wheat is just 99% of what we eat when we're talking about grains. Um, the wheat from the Bible is not the same uh, uh, as the wheat of today. Um, the wheat of the Bible was emmer wheat. It was a very simplistic form of um, wheat. It didn't have all the gluten. It, it did. You couldn't have made a friggin' muffin out of it or anything like that. It didn't have the baking characteristics of the of the wheat that we have today. Now, uh, we kind of became cultivated maybe eight nine thousand years ago, and. Um, you know, again, that was not the same wheat that we consume now. There was a very long period of time when wheat was fairly the same. There weren't very many modifications to it, not much hybridization. There was only a handful of species of it. However, you know, due to science and man-made technology and, you know, um, uh, gosh, what do you call it here? An objective to end world hunger 
and you know to, to increase crop yields and all of these these really important things these really honorable things science got involved and we started to hybridize the wheat and now you know we're in the 1800s we only had five different varieties now we have what is it 25,000 different varieties and due to this man-made hybridization we've created somewhat of a, a wheat monster and you know I call it a wheat monster because some of these hybridized forms, especially the ones that we consume now, the genes in them code for more gluten. And the increase in gluten of the, in them is actually going to cause a problem in 7 out of 10 people. 7 out of 10 people are gluten sensitive. You know, it's not always in the digestive system. It's, you know, the brain fog. It's, you know, you're my, my joints ache. Oh, I feel a little depressed. Um, hey, I'm hooked on this gluten thing. You know, cravings for it as well. And so we're not eating the same gluten um, by any means. We're not eating the same grains. And so that's a huge problem right there. So when they call it the staff of life, I go, nah, this is, we're, 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 we're eating something different. And that's for sure. Um, um, as far as other things that, that are in there, we got lectins, which poke holes in the gut. We have anti-nutrients in there like uh, phytic acid, which binds onto the really important minerals, uh, calcium, magnesium, zinc, copper, which don't allow you to absorb them when you consume uh, these grains. They also leach minerals out of your body as well. And so um, we're not really, I don't think personally, I don't think we're really designed to consume grains. I think some of us can get away from can get away with them, you know, here and there, but I do think that the world will be a much better place uh, without grains, especially the hybridized ones that we consume these days. If you can get your hands on some, you know, old school emmer or some uh, einkorn, some of the ancient forms of wheat, hey, go for it. That You may feel pretty darn good with those. However, when I'm working with real people and I get them off of grains for 30 days, um, they feel a whole lot better. Little things and even big things that have been going on with their health for years that they've been trying to figure out just go away. And so, you know, I highly encourage people to, to get um, informed on gluten sensitivity. I've done a couple of podcasts with uh, Dr. Thomas O'Brien. Um, those are on my website on the podcast page. Uh, we did a TV show as well on health, healthypowertv.com, uh, Dr. O'Brien and I. And so check those out because I'll just tell you real quick, you know, plants don't like to be eaten. You know, they're real living beings and, you know, there are these things that they have within them, these protective mechanisms that, you know, are, are supposed to kind of keep us from, from consuming them. Kind of, uh, um, what's the word? Sometimes I have a hard time thinking when I just get done working out. <laughs> I'm, I'm all cranked up. A protective, a protective mechanism. You know, the yeah, there's a protective mechanism they have, you know, to keep predators from consuming them and that would be you know these lectins phytic acids saponins and whatnot they're not just like eat me come on over guys eat me you know that's not what they're here for they want to reproduce and all do all that stuff as well and so you know keep that in mind because when i graduated from college i was all about the wheat i was all about the fiber i was farting all day <laughs> personal training man personal training at least twice during my sessions i'd have to go to the bathroom and rip one and come right back out because i was just consuming all of this damn fiber and um yeah i don't i don't eat i eat grains every now and then now you know just as a treat or i'll throw down some rice which is gluten-free but other than that man i don't do it i tend to stay pretty lean and just real quick i know i'm giving you these big long answers what your audience will find is when you pull those grains out you significantly reduce your consumption of grains you'll find that you stay in shape a whole lot easier than that you used to you don't have to depend on the gym to keep your body looking good you know i love to work 
work out, but sometimes I get really, really busy, and I'll be, I'll take weeks away off from the gym, but I'll get up and be like, damn, buddy, you still look good. Why? Because I'm not dumping grains into my body, cranking up my insulin, and of course, insulin stores fat, and, um, one last thing that Dr. Davis mentioned was that uh, wheat may cause leptin resistance as well, which means that your body doesn't know when it has enough fat stores. So it just kind of keeps on stacking them on, reducing your metabolism, increasing your appetite, and so you're screwed. And um, we have to keep that in mind as well. Man, I can talk for hours. <laughs> we should do like a three-hour podcast and just talk, man. <laughs> I have no problem with that whatsoever. And neither either of the listeners because this is great stuff. Sean, um, moving on from gluten, soy. What's your opinion? Uh, soy sucks. Soy is just as bad <laughs> as freaking gluten. Um, soy is... Uh, that, should be, that, 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 that should be a t-shirt, soy sucks. Yeah, soy sucks. Um, I used to praise soy. I remember I wrote a, an article on MySpace a long, long time ago that was like, I hate cow's milk and all I do is drink soy. And it, like, it kind of went viral on MySpace. I kind of feel bad like I should have written a retraction when I learned uh, differently. But soy has problems as well. Um, phytic acid, as I mentioned with the grains. Actually, soy is extremely high in phytic acid. Uh, goitrogens would slow down the thyroid. It's an estrogen, estrogen mimicker as well. So you know, you've heard various stories of guys who have consumed lots of soy who will all of a sudden start growing breasts or, or early development of, of girls. You know what I mean? You see these girls these days, like eight years old, and they got boobs already. Not that I'm looking, but I'm just saying, like, this is not normal. It's not supposed to be that way. Um, you know, but, but, but soy is, has many different issues, but those are the, the primary ones. What we need to understand is that the soy that we consume is not the same soy that they consume in these Asian countries. You know, you hear so often, oh, well, you know, in Asia, they eat all this soy. And I go, man, I've yet to go to an Asian restaurant and be able to order soy milk. That's never happened before, right? What they eat, uh, fermented soy. Miso, natto, tempeh, uh, tamari sauce, you know, those are the forms of soy that have been fermented and that is going to reduce the anti-nutrient effect of the things that are in the soy. And so we don't do that. We do it unfermented um, in order to make a soybean, again, getting back to that point A to point B, in order to make a soybean into, you know, an oil or into soy protein isolate, you know, it, requir it requires some pretty harsh chemicals. You know, one of them would be hexane. And you have all these people who are eating soy in the name of the environment. What about that hexane that you guys are using to make the soy protein isolate, which actually gets spewed out into the environment? And you also consume it at the same time, toxifying your body. And so, you know, soy is certainly not a health food uh, by any means. And, um, you know, women in Asia actually use soy. They feed their husbands soy to reduce their libidos. Uh, I did a... a um, radio show with uh, Dr. Kayla T. Daniel. She's been on the show about three times, and uh, some of the stuff that she says about soy will, will blow your mind, and we need to get off of it. We need to ban uh, soy formula. If you are feeding your child soy formula, I'm sorry. I'm very, very sorry. You are screwing up your child, straight up and down. You're feeding your child literally uh, what's equivalent to several birth control pills every single day when you're feeding them soy formula. And um, it's not really a good idea to do that. That's a weird science experiment that you're conducting on your child. And so, um, yeah, soy is not a health food, bottom line. A lot of it, hey, one more thing, um, was it 80 to 90% of the soy that we consume in this country, or that other people consume, because I don't consume it, is um, genetically modified. And that's a whole other 
bag of worms right there. Vegans, just moving on from soy, they seem to consume a lot of soy. What is your opinion on vegetarians and vegans? I love vegetarians and vegans. I love, <laughs> we should all have a group hug. Um, I don't, I don't really have, you know, I, I don't really get into the whole veganism is wrong, vegetarianism is wrong. I believe that, you know, everybody's journey in this is going to be different, and we're all entitled to our, our journeys, and I believe that there's no one-size-fits-all diet by any means, and, you know, just like anything, um, what you decide to put in your body is your choice, and um, is it always the right choice? You know, maybe not, and I'm not saying that veganism or vegetarianism is the wrong choice by any means, you know, just the same way that, you know, I choose my, my meals, and they may think that what I eat is wrong, and that, that's fine. I tend not to get into the whole vegan bashing, vegetarian bashing, uh, to each his or her own, and keep doing what you're doing, just as long as it's working for you, and when it stops working for you, or if it stops working for you, don't act like it's still working for you, you know, say, hey... I'm not feeling as good as I used to on this diet, and this this isn't just this just isn't just for vegans. This is for meat eaters as well. Hey, I'm not feeling as well as I used to on this diet. Maybe I need to tweak something. You know, maybe I need less meat and more vegetables, or maybe I actually need some meat in the first place. And so, you know, everybody's journey is different. I've gone through my my personal vegan phase when I found out that you know the way that animals are treated and you know that the, the concentrated animal feeding operations and you know all the stuff that you you saw in Food Inc. if you watch Food Inc. I learned about that stuff and I was like I'm not eating that stuff anymore and um, it didn't quite work for me I was like a vegan for five minutes literally and um, I said hey you know what I'm going to do I'm going to start purchasing um, meats that are actually real meats that are you know grass fed cows free range poultry wild fish uh, pastured eggs organic fruits and vegetables and you know I'm going to consume real food and that's what it's all really about and I'm going to do what works for my body and you know that's really all I say about that when we were discussing soy there you mentioned uh, the development of uh, like feeding babies and the development of the, of the child can you just speak about nutrition and and the health of children because I know you're very passionate about this topic yeah yeah we've really screwed up I mean we um, you know children need cholesterol I mean there's cholesterol in breast milk they need that for their brain development they need you know the what is it DHA to, to build up their brains I mean this is all very very critical stuff and it's not coming through soy milk unfortunately and it's, 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 it's uh, to me man it's a crime it's an absolute crime you know that parents will feed their children soy milk if they don't know any better I can understand it's not a crime it's just ignorance but it's a crime for these different companies to sell this soy milk or soy formula as an alternative to breast milk you know there's nothing like breast milk you should be breastfeeding your child regardless of anything I don't care what your excuse is well you know there are some valid excuses for not breastfeeding but if it's not one of those you need to be breastfeeding your child I mean that's that's, that's huge we have children who are coming into this world with the chips down and it's not just because of the diet that we're feeding them when they come into the world but it's also the diets of the mothers and the fathers you know I have my various um in my various quotes and I've shared a few with with you today but I don't understand how unhealthy parents can make healthy babies and we do all this we point all this blame all over the place we've got an increase in autism because of vaccines we've got ADHD because of food additives and all this stuff and oh, I think it's just really time for us to take a look in the mirror and go 
wow, I treat my body like crap. I put all of the wrong things into it, and really, like, I expected to make a healthy baby out of myself? What? You know, it, it, it doesn't make sense at all. You know, if you look at Weston Price's work, and you see that when these uh, native people, very healthy native people, started to consume the refined diet, the Western diet, their offspring took the hit. You know, their facial features changed. Um, you know, their, their teeth got all out of alignment. They had all these different birth defects and whatnot. That was in one generation. You know, we're several generations deep, and we've got problems now. Uh, I used to do a series of videos on Pottinger's cats. You know, Pottinger fed these cats a diet that they weren't supposed to consume, and after the third generation, they couldn't even reproduce anymore. I was just—I was just making a note of that. I was just—I was just gonna say Pottinger's cat. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's—that's that's really reflected in our society. I mean, gosh, just yesterday, you know, my girl was talking about—you know—somebody who she knows who can't get pregnant, and it's just a very common story these days. Like people are having a hard time getting pregnant. Why? Because it looks like we're Pottinger's cats. And uh, we've got some serious work to do before we can get back to things, or you know, until, until we get back to the way things are supposed to be. Um, look at Kate Shanahan's book, um, Deep Nutrition. Fantastic book. You know, what you eat can affect your grandkids. So you know, one of the lines in my book is, you know, we we all need to eat with our grandchildren in mind, and that that's real. Great stuff, Sean. Sean, what makes us fat? Oh gosh, a lot of things. <laughs> All the things I talk about in my book make us fat. Um, gosh, that's such a loaded question. The foods we eat, um, you know, hormones, let's just insulin and leptin, the foods that we consume are going to impact those particular hormones. When insulin is high and leptin is, uh, your brain is resistant to, to leptin, you're going to have issues, you know, regardless. You've got a stimulated appetite and you're also going to be in fat storage mode. Um, you know, your fat store, like your, your fat storage is like a light switch. You know, when it's on, you're storing fat. When it's off, you're burning fat. And it's either one or the other. And when we're constantly consuming foods that crank up our insulin levels, then we tend to, you know, put on some weight. And that's just the way that it is. Um, but, you know, as I point out in the book, you know, you don't want to have tunnel vision. You know, there are many things that contribute to insulin resistance and hormone imbalances and whatnot, and to, to cravings as well. And, you know, these things are um, alcohol consumption, uh, sleep deprivation, chronic stress, um, poor digestion, toxins in your immediate environment. Uh, there's a, um, a topic of study called obesogens. Uh, obesogens are these chemicals that we literally rub onto our bodies every day that we spray on ourselves that we clean our houses with um, all these things that we use so commonly they actually throw off our hormones make them over fire under fire fire at the wrong times um, they mimic um, estrogen and uh, different different uh, hormones that cause us to store fat and so you know we need to just get away from this tunnel vision approach of it's just diet because there's so much more than that I think the whole second half of my book is about these other factors you know, take chronic stress, for instance. Chronic stress increases cortisol. Increased cortisol is going to reduce your testosterone. So if you're trying to lose fat and you've got low testosterone, it's probably not going to work too well if you're under chronic stress. Um, increased cortisol increases blood sugar. 
increased blood sugar increases insulin. Over time, uh, all of this insulin is going to cause insulin resistance. And insulin resistance makes you fat. And it's just this domino effect that we've got going on with all of these different parts of our diets, as well as our lifestyle, as well as hidden stuff that's going on within the body. Do you think that most of the people whom I work with think they have a parasites? Absolutely not. They have no idea. That's what we call a hidden stressor. So, you know, we have to start thinking outside of that box and looking for these hidden things and also working on the overt issues um, as well, like the diet and exercise program. So there's many things that, that play a role in this, and I feel like I did a pretty good job covering the vast majority of them in the book. Great stuff, Sean. Par parasite. What are parasites? Parasites are these little things, uh, these little creatures that hang out in our guts. Most of them are opportunistic, so they like to hang out in guts that are conducive to their environment, which is a whole other story. But um, these things come in from various routes, whether it be oral, oral, you know, making out with somebody. You might get something. It might be from the food that you consume. You could have went camping at the lake 20 years ago and picked up some Giardia because you drank the water, uh, which is very common. Uh, I've had some clients who, oh my God, I've had these digestive system problems since I was six years old. And now they're 25. And I'm like, hey, man, you picked up a parasite and just never went away. Um, but those are things that are they're very, very stressful to the body. Um, you, know, you can also get it on oh, sexual ways as well. Um, but, you know, they're very stressful to the body. You know, they can steal your food. You know, they cause malnourishment. They can cause breakdown of that gut lining, that intestinal barrier, which causes a whole lot of other problems that we may have talked about earlier in the show. Inflammation in the gut. When you got inflammation in the gut, you got bacterial overgrowth in the gut. When you got bacterial overgrowth in the gut, you're going to end up with candida yeast overgrowth in the gut. And so, it's, again, it's this domino effect. One thing just banging into the other thing. And so, you know, we have to be mindful of these and not really think, oh my God, it's a parasite. It's gross like you know what hey it's a parasite it's gross but it's also just sucking energy out of your body and just causing dysfunction throughout and so it's all about identifying these things and and removing them you know like um uh, josh rubin in one of his videos said hey you know if somebody poops in the pool you gotta pull the poop out you just don't pour chlorine in that deal and so you know you work with people like me and other practitioners to find out what are some of these hidden stressors and a lot of times it is a parasite remove it heal the body and things just tend to get a whole lot better for a lot of people what protocols would you use to remove the parasite uh, there's there's so many different protocols it really depends on what it is um, almost feel like it wouldn't even be responsible to, to say what some of those protocols are because okay. I don't want people just running out and online and thinking that they've got a parasite starting to use <laughs> different products but um, one that I, I really like is by Rain Tree. it's called Amazon AP anti-parasitic um, that thing works wonders um, there's different um, herbal approaches that we can use uh, there's one specific one called Blastocystis hominis which is just the pain in the butt I get rid of these things 95% of the time I think there's only been twice where we've retested and actually found the same thing um, and that's with blastocystis hominis that's an uh, effort to get rid of and so um, pardon my French I'm sorry but um, 
you know, I usually have to refer that one out to somebody who actually specializes in that bug to get rid of it. But everything else, I've had a really good track record of getting rid of. If it's H. pylori, you put them on some Matula tea for a month, and boom, that baby's gone. There's actually like a money-back guarantee on that product. Like, they guarantee you'll be able to get rid of it. It's kind of pricey, but it works, and it's a lot more gentle than doing the antibiotic approach. Um, but, of course, I have to say, you know, I'm not a doctor. You know, I, I just... Take some, taking some certification courses, read a lot of books, and so I'm not allowed to diagnose and treat these things. So I do have to give the the client the option of going to their their primary doctor and you know getting a prescription for these things, or they can work with my protocol. It's up to them. What resources would you recommend to learn more about parasites, John? Oh man, that's a good one. There's a guess. Guess what came to dinner by. She's going to be mad. I forgot her name. <laughs> yeah, guess what came to dinner? Hey, my blood sugar's low. I didn't eat when I got back from the gym, so pardon my, my fogginess right now. But, um, which is a no-no, kids. I was, I was watching, I was like so eager to watch that Michael Jackson verdict today, and I was like in front of my TV ignoring my post-workout meal. But, um... Yeah, guess what came to dinner is, is a really good one. Taking the functional diagnostic nutrition course is fantastic for learning about parasites as well. Um, I've done a couple of shows with Reed Davis. I think one is called Poopin 2.1, I believe. And, you know, we talk a lot about parasites and whatnot. And this week on Underground Wellness Radio, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to air, but we're going to have uh, Dr. Clifford Oliver of uh, Check Institute fame on the show. We're going to be talking pretty extensively about parasites as well. You also had that podcast, I, I can't remember the woman's name, but it was about small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. That was also a good podcast. Oh, yeah, Dr. Allison Seebecker, SIBOinfo.com, uh, S-I-B-O-info.com. That's a really good one. People who have um, IBS really need to listen to that show um, because that, that's some important information right there. She just did a, a webinar. I'm waiting for her assistant to get back to me. I attended it, but I was only like half attending it, and uh, I need to get my hands on it so I can go through that webinar with a fine-tooth comb and make some videos about it. <clears throat> so if my father is listening to this podcast, you need to listen to that podcast, Daddy. <laughs> he, he has bad IBS. He doesn't listen to me because I'm his son. <laughs> That's usually what happens. I'll, I'll just tell you just real quick. My mom didn't listen to a word I said about this stuff for many, many years. And I, I had this, uh, I was at home, and I was sitting in the TV room, and I was watching one of David Gedolf's videos. David oh, you Gettoff. said this. You said this story when you were podcasting. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Vice President of the Price Partner Nutrition Foundation. She came in. Same stuff that I've been telling her for years. She sat down for a minute, and she got up, and she came back with a, a notebook, and she started taking notes. And I'm just looking at her like, I'm going to tell you this stuff for the last five, six years. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, parents tend to not listen to their kids, so it's always much better to have some third-party credibility and validation. The, 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 there's, a saying, there's a saying here in Ireland, if they wiped your arse, they'll never listen to you. <laughs> That's real. I like that. <laughs> John, you mentioned the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition, or FDM for short, which is Reed Davis's course, which I'm currently um, taking at the moment, along with my friend John DeWire. Can you just uh, um, tell the listeners what is FDN and how has it like increased like your your practice? Like your how, how have you like integrated it with what you already knew or, and did? Oh yeah, I personal trained for uh, eight years, and maybe my seventh year or so is when I stumbled upon that course. 
mentors, actually one of my personal training clients, she was working with Reed and then she told me about the course and she's like, it's next week, it's downtown, you live downtown, you should go. And so I, I went ahead and I enrolled and I did it and it was so cool because it really separated me from the pack. You know, I was just personal training at the time and just working on the diet and exercise aspects of things and doing some metabolic typing with them. But what FDN did, it gave me the other stuff. You know, it's other outside-the-box things that I read about in the book. It tells me how the digestive system works. It told me how the detoxification system works, as well as the immune system. It told me how to work with actual people. It gave me access to test kits, you know, through BioHealth, as well as through uh, Signet to run food sensitivity tests. It allowed me to address all of the other stuff that my clients were, were certainly missing at the time. And it's huge. You know, something that I hear my, my clients say all the time is, it makes sense now. You know, this is the first time this has ever makes sense. Wow, we ran your adrenals and we found that, you know, you're a man with crazy high estrogen and you've got really low testosterone. So, you know, your exercise program wasn't really going to help this so much. You're actually probably just going to make it a whole lot worse. Oh, you have stage 3 adrenal fatigue. Oh, you've got a parasite. Oh, we ran a food sensitivity test. And you know what? You're sensitive to and your immune system is cranking up to about 40 different foods. Most of the foods that you consume every single day. You know, and these are things that a personal trainer um, was not going to be able to find. And so the clients um, appreciated tremendously. I immersed myself in the information. I remember, you know, the stack of books on hormones that I had on my bed one day. I was like, you know what? I'm going to master this thing. And I just slowly started going through the information. I got done with the hormonal aspect of things. And I said, you know what? I'm going to master this digestive thing. And I just kept on going to, you know, to the point where I can't call myself an guru or anything on these these different things because there's always stuff I need to learn but you know the knowledge that I acquired from FDN and uh, what FDN sparked within me to learn more I mean I, I will never be able to pay Reed Davis back for what that ignited and that's huge just tell our listeners the story of the, the television they had to return to. <laughs> yeah man I was going to say that earlier I was like oh, he's probably heard this story but um yeah, I actually I moved into a new place, a studio downtown. I still live downtown, but just a different place now. And I bought my first flat screen TV. And it was like, you know, back then it was like $800 or something like that. It wasn't even that big of a TV. And I was so excited about this. And I found out about it at the FDN course. And I just kind of mulled it over. I was like, man, I'm broke. I spent my last dollar on this TV. I really want to take this course. This course is $800 or whatever it was back then too. So, uh, okay. I'm going to put it back in the box, and I'm going to go ahead and take it back. So I took it back, I got the money, and then I enrolled in Reed Davis's course. And it was, um, it was one of the best um, returns ever uh, in terms of returning a product to, to, the, to the store. And uh, gosh, what I've learned since then is far more valuable than a flat screen TV. And I still don't have an awesome, I got, the TV I have is like literally 18-inch flat screen. Like, you have to stand up really close to it when you're in the living room to be able to see what's going on. Like, we were watching the LSU and Alabama game the other day, and we're, like, standing up right in front of it to see what's going on because you couldn't see it from across the room. But that's cool, though, because, you know, I was able to help so many people and all that fun stuff. That's dedication to the cause. Well, what, well, what did the people in the store think? Oh, the people in the store didn't care at all. I mean, Best Buy is where I bought it from, and, you know, they, they take things back all the time, so it wasn't a problem. 
No, that's great. Great stuff. Metabolic typing, Sean. You're also our, our, our metabolic typing advisor. Would you just tell the listeners what is metabolic typing? Metabolic typing is uh, customized nutrition that, um, you know, we use these subjective questionnaires, ask a whole bunch of questions, and we're able to spit out, you know, what kind of diet is going to work right uh, for you as an individual. I use metabolic typing for, for many, many years. Um, I've kind of moved away from it uh, for something a little bit more simplistic, um, but metabolic typing, when used properly, um, when used by someone who actually is willing to do it properly works like a charm but at the same time you know when you're working with real people it's kind of hard to find people who are actually going to do things the way they're supposed to be done because you know it does kind of put them in the box and so a lot of metabolic typing um i've just had to adjust things a little bit because of adherence yeah great stuff great stuff i hope bill walcott doesn't hear this Actually, for for anybody listening too, uh, I mean, I suppose a lot of listeners who will hear this will will eventually go, well, you definitely need to subscribe to Sean's podcast, you definitely need to subscribe to his YouTube videos, but there is great um, podcast interviews with Bill Walcott on the science of of metabolic typing, which will really give you an in-depth explanation of what it is. Um, Supplements, Sean. What? Like, uh, how do you integrate this into your into your business or into how your your treatment of clients? I uh, I try to really try to minimize the supplements. Um, you know, I I don't like to consider myself a supplement salesman. I don't like my clients to be on fifteen different products. Uh, they it just get, it just overwhelms the heck out of them. And uh, you know, I, I want to keep it as cheap as I possibly can. I never have them do a test that they don't absolutely need. And I explain that to them in a way where they go, you know, what? okay, this 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 works. This makes a whole lot of sense. But I'm the same way with supplementation. Um, <clears throat> Usually we use a digestive enzyme, maybe some hydrochloric acid as well. I put most of my clients on protandum, which is a, an antioxidant. Um, and then it's really, it's pretty targeted. Uh, there may be some type of adrenal support if they need it. Most people do. Uh, and then there's the different supplements, you know, if they do have a, a yeast overgrowth or a parasite infection or something like that. And so, you know, we really keep it simple, keep it cheap. And... Um, there is, you know, we say, hey, use this for 90 days, you know, not for the rest of your life. Use it for 90 days, go off it, see how you feel. If you feel like, you know, things aren't as great as things were when you were on the supplement, hey, go ahead and jump back on it. But, you know, it's not forever. I don't like people being on supplements for the rest of their lives, personally. Mm-hmm. Me too, me too. But uh, I do hear the argument, I suppose, that the soil is so depleted that maybe supplements are, are needed. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's very true. You know, using a multivitamin, you know, as some added insurance is a good idea but really try to get as much as you can uh, through food really try to detoxify your body you know that's why I'm a huge fan of protanum because it does increase glutathione levels by 300% and glutathione is like the master detoxifier in the body so that's absolutely huge right there and um, yeah I mean I think everybody over the age of 30 can probably use some uh, digestive enzymes or some hydrochloric acid um, to better digest their foods Um, I use it myself to be honest and um, that's really it man keep it simple just the last few minutes here now, Sean, and I'll let you go. We just uh, spoke about soil there, which which kind of just brings agriculture into the picture. When you hear agriculture, what do you think? I think of things being sprayed all over the place. I think of guys in, like, like white... 
like uniforms and stuff with things over their face and gas masks on themselves spraying the hell out of fields and doing stuff like that and ruining the soil um you know keeping the soil from being the carbon sink that it is um causing water runoff screwing up our water supply causing dead zones out there in the oceans and the gulfs um that's what i think it's kind of a negative thought but you know things need to get fixed um people need to know more about this and what they're consuming there was a picture that came across facebook about a month ago and it was like this lady in an apron and she was like um um organic food or as our grandparents called it food yeah i said you know, that's very funny yeah and i cracked up and i posted it and just you know a bunch of people reposted it and it was just it was just very real because you know as i always say i like my food to be poison free I think that's that's pretty important to me and pretty simple as well. And I'll pay you know a little bit of extra money in order for that to happen. But you know we're ruining our soil. It just it perplexes me how you know many years from now we're gonna have soil to grow food on in the first place because we've ruined it so much. And uh, we gotta get our stuff together. We definitely gotta get our stuff together. But in order for that to happen, more people need to know about it because. Gosh, when I went to school for this stuff, and I really didn't know the difference between organic and non-organic, I had to learn that later on. And so, it's all about me and you and the rest of us putting that information out there and, you know, facilitating change. Mm-hmm. And I think two great movies to watch on that will be Food Inc. and um, Fresh. They're two good movies with Joe, with Joe Salatone in them. Exactly, yeah. Two very fantastic movies. Um, <clears throat> the food industry, Sean, and just the corruption of it, can you just speak briefly about that? I know it's it, you know you're in America and it seems to be worse in America than here in Ireland, but it, it seems to be creeping over to, to this, this side of the world as well. So just mm-hmm. speak about the food and also the drug industry. Uh, the food industry and the drug industry—they're in business to make money, and they do a really, really good job of it. Um, they're good at business. Are they responsible socially? Probably not. Um, you know, you hear of things going on behind the scenes, like, you know, just manipulating ingredients in particular foods to make them more addictive and, you know, using tactics that the tobacco industry used to use. And that, that's very troubling to me. You know, any type of corporation, they are indebted or bound, you know, to their shareholders to, you know, increase the value of the company. And that's what they have to do. And they do that really well, again, at our expense. And so, you know, and they make us sick with the food and then they give us drugs and you know that feeds into the pharmaceutical companies and so you know I always say that everything is just a matter of choice and it's a matter of information you know the information is certainly there and it's just really you know time for people to pick up some of these documentaries that we talked about and to also to prioritize things you know to, to, to not buy the, the new pair of you know whoever shoes just came out or to you know put rims on your car or to you know have take cable TV which I didn't have for a long time because I wanted to be able to afford good food I was just thinking about this the other day you know I haven't bought new clothes in over a year you know I mean I've only bought one new pair of like shoes like running shoes like play shoes you know in the last year I put all my money on food on health because it's valuable to me and I know when I'm healthy I can be productive and do all the things that I want to do in life and so you know that's the choice that, that I make and yes a lot of these foods are cheap and a lot of them aren't cheap but we have to think hey what are we putting on to, into ourselves and at the same time what is eating all of these bad foods going to cost us in the long run and when we prioritize things and think of it that way then we can really take it to the food industry the food industry is such a monster 
You know, none of us going to be able to grab our bullhorns and say, you know, stop it. You know, you got all these people occupying Wall Street, but nothing's really changed yet. You know what I mean? But we're not going to occupy a craft. It's just probably not going to happen. I wish we would, but it's very likely that we're not. We just have to keep putting information out there, and hopefully people out there will, will say, all right, you know, I'm going to do this. And some won't, and that's just kind of where it's going to be. Great answer. Last two questions, Sean, and I'll let you go and, so, have, and have your dinner. Right. You, you must be starving there. Yeah, I got some some beef stew that the girlfriend made the other day. It's about to be good. <laughs> All right, last two questions. Second last question. I, I meant to actually ask this at the start. You said in your uh, video interview with Mark Sisson, um, there's a lot of unhealthy fit people out there. Can you just tell me what you mean by this? Oh, people who are just like me, who are in shape, relatively. I could have been in better shape back then in college when I was personal training, but you know, fairly in shape, but the inside of them ain't working so well. You know, so often I speak with pro figure models or personal trainers or bodybuilders who on the outside they look good, but when you get them on the phone and you meet them in person and actually start talking about their health, they're going, dude, I'm constipated. I drop all these dry poopies because I'm drinking protein shakes all day. I got gas all the time. They got brain fog. They got no libido. Um, the, the, the women typically have no periods. I mean, they look fit on the outside, but what's going on inside ain't too great. And so I always say, man, you know, just because somebody looks good, just because you envy their body when you see them at the gym, doesn't really mean a whole lot. You know, you don't know what's going on with that person. I tell you, nine times out of ten, there's not good stuff going on with that person. I can just speak because, you know, it used to be me at one time. You know, I'm still in pretty decent shape, but I feel good. Of course, I go through my days where I'm just kind of like, oh, I'm tired. You know, I think that happens to everybody, but, you know, there are a lot of unhealthy fit people. Mark Sisson is somebody, you know, whose story I use in the book. I mean, he was running on the Olympic level, like he competed in the Olympic trials, but he had, you know, digestive problems and I think it was um, arthritis issues and all of these problems that were going on that you would have never known. You would have thought that he was just a picture of health. You know, the picture of health is the people who Weston Price studied. You go look at those pictures, you read the stories about those folks, folks, those were real healthy people and they were real healthy people because not only were they fit, but they lived by, you know, what in my book is called the, the code of the underground. They just lived well, you know, in all, in, all, in all aspects of health. And once we do that, that's when we get back to real health and being healthy, fit people. Great answer. Final question, Sean, is it's half ten here in, in, uh, in Dublin. And it's, what is it, half two? Is it over there in San Diego? Yes. So I'm about to go to bed while you're about to eat dinner. So let's just finish on the topic of sleep. How important is sleep? Because this is the one thing I cannot get across to all my friends. How important sleep is. Even though I always say to them, okay, don't sleep for two days and tell me how you feel. That's how important it is. And just, just, just touch on how important this is. Sleep is incredibly important. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, to me it's not rocket science. It's like, hey, the body goes and the body rests. The body goes and the body rests. But people say, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Well, you're going to be dead because you don't sleep. You know, but just one <laughs> night, just one night of sleep deprivation can make you as insulin resistant as a diabetic the next day. The World Health, I always say Horth for some reason, the World Health Organization has um, uh, deemed uh, sleep deprivation or, or shift work, overnight work, as a carcinogen, meaning that it causes cancer. Um, you need to go to sleep. It's just really basic. Our ancestors, as soon as the sun went down, they, they went to bed. Why? Because there's nothing else to do. 
you know, and they lived well because of it. There are all of these hormones and neurotransmitters and things that are going on in your body that are regulated by something called the circadian rhythm. You know, it's like the sun, the moons, and the stars, you know? And when these things get thrown off or when you're staying up all hours of the night, your hormones, your neurotransmitters get all screwed up. And, you know, in relation to fat, you know, what I like to convey to most people is like, hey, you know, back in the day there was, you know, feast during the spring and summer and famine during the winter. And, you know, when the light was out, when, when the days were long, you know, our bodies went ahead and stored fat so they can live through that winter famine. You know, that's what we did. Because I always say, you know, human beings left to their own devices will wipe themselves off the planet pretty fast. So we have these internal things that help to save us from famine and whatnot. And so, whereas our bodies held on to fat during the summer and burned it through the winter, now we have endless summer because we have light bulbs and we have Facebook and we have Twitter, we have all this technology, we're staying up all hours of the day, we got TV, and we just created within our bodies, you know, endless summer. But we're getting ready for this famine that never really comes. And so that's why, that's one other thing that contributes to weight gain. But reproductive problems can result from this, uh, cancer, heart disease. Got to read T.S. Wiley's book, Lights Out. It's a, it's a rather ah, of a weird book you know, to, to, to read. But, um, you know, if you're not much of a reader, just, just look up her appearance on my radio show. It's called Lights Out, T.S. Wiley. It's on my podcast page. And she dropped some serious knowledge bombs right there. And uh, check it out. Yeah, that's that's a great it's a great podcast and a great book that we have. Sean, thanks so much for coming on, man. That was an absolutely brilliant show. The uh, the amount of knowledge bombs you dropped, uh, I, I'm honored that you were you come on my show. And, and please, God, I'll have you on again in in the near future. Thank you very much, Robbie. My pleasure. Just before you go, just just let let our let our listeners know again where they can find you at. Uh, undergroundwellness.com blogtalkradio.com slash undergroundwellness youtube.com slash undergroundwellness twitter.com slash ugwellness facebook.com slash undergroundwellness healthypowertv.com and I'm sure there's one that I'm forgetting I'm on iTunes as well, search underground wellness that's yeah. it basically just put in underground wellness or Sean Croxon and you'll find everything on Sean okay, so that's, that's it for today guys um, great show and I'll talk to you soon stay strong 